Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. My name is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard. I am your host, and welcome to our 50th episode. Yay! Um, thank you all so much for listening, and I really need to take a second and thank the guys at Radio Influence. So Jerry Petuck and Jason Floyd, thank you both so much for helping me along on this wild ride. Um, You're the best. I am sometimes the worst and you make me sound good. Um, And you manage to scramble when I have procrastination or I don't know when people cancel on me. So, um, big thank you to you guys and, um, please to everyone listening, check out radioinfluence.com and, and see the other podcasts that are part of the family of RI. Um, the guys have done awesome things, so it's really, really exciting to see as they keep growing. Um, and I think I started to thank all of you, the listeners. So let me do that again. Um, obviously, without you all, there is no point to this. So thank you. I appreciate everything um, that you send me. And every time you tell someone else to listen to the podcast, it's really great. Um, we've seen ridiculous growth over the last year or so and in the 50 episodes and it's because of you all so I really do appreciate it I hope you know that and um yeah I just I don't know I want to know more about you all though so you know reach out there are a few of you who do pretty pretty consistently and then another 12,000 plus of you who don't so um send me a note it'd be great um, speaking of 50, um, so I wanted to do something really big and exciting. Um, and I realized that maybe that's not the way to go. 50 is great, but we had a big one year. Um, and there are some things that I want to thoughtfully plan out, one of which is merchandise. So that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, um, and maybe playing with our website a little bit. So Those are two of the things that we're going to be working on. But the one thing that I am going to try and get rolling in the next week or two, and it's possible that it's up, but it might not be. So if it's not, when you listen to this, just wait a day or two. But I'm going to start a private Facebook group. So I realized that with a Facebook group, page, there isn't as much interaction because you all don't really get the opportunity to post on there unless I like ask a question, right? So we're going to start a private Facebook group so that you guys can post on there and we can have some actual conversations. And I think that would be great. So um, it will be up soon. It's coming. That will be up in the next week or two. Um, And aside from that, I'm just really grateful for you all and the time that we've had together so far and what's to come because I know some of our upcoming guests and it's going to be so fun. This week's guest is Tracy Speckaventura and she is the founder and president of Sports and the Arts. Now, this is a really cool company that takes art 
and integrates it with sport. Um, what her organization does is they curate art and photography collections for sports franchises, so stadiums and arenas, by incorporating art, photography, sculpture, and large format graphics within a venue to create a one-of-a-kind viewing experience. And it's truly about being able to tell a story. Um, they have worked on some really great uh, venues. I mean, they worked on the on Yankee Stadium, the new one. Um, it's not new anymore, and I still think of it as new. It's so strange. Um, Levi Stadium, uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium home uh, to... Bleh. Sorry, I just said that weird. U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, home to the Minnesota Vikings. And... Um, They've been working with the Green Bay Packers on and off. Uh, they unveiled the Packers collection in the summer of 2017. And they recently unveiled their newest collection with the Milwaukee Bucks. And their next up is the Golden State Warriors, new Chase Center. Um, so, so many cool things. I just love that they're incorporating um, local artists and uh, diverse artists and and really celebrating sport through art, which is amazing. Prior to um, starting her own company, she would do some charity fundraising via um, art curating. And then before that, she was um, she worked at a, an art gallery, a sports art gallery. And that's kind of how she, she got the bug and stayed with it. So... Um, Really interesting stories from her. Um, I did not expect to hear a story on Pete Rose, so that was cool. And, you know, also just her drive and determination. I mean, at one point she was working multiple jobs and doing, you know, getting her company going at the same time. And, you know, those are always great stories. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Tracy Speckaventura. Hi, Trace. Hi. How are you doing? I am great in California today. How are you? Oh, you know, we're okay. We're, we're dealing with attempting to have fall for two days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to start like I usually do, which is to ask, how did you fall in love with sports? Hmm. I came from a sports family. Uh, being from Philadelphia originally, uh, big sports background, and my dad played minor league ball with the Cincinnati Reds, so uh, he had a love for the game and all sports, and it was just kind of part of our world. Did you play when you were growing up? I did. I played tennis in high school, and then I redshirted, um, or I walked on and, and played tennis two years at uh, Cal State Northridge. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I love the sports. It just, you know, the sense of community and team and, and being a part of that, that was a big part of our life. Did um did your dad play while, like, when you were kids, or was no, it he, pre-kids? No, he was, he was done back then. When my brother was little, he played, but uh, no, it was it was in the 60s. He and Pete Rose were roommates their first year in baseball. <laughs> Wait, so. what? Yeah, which was cool, and... Uh, 
uh, I actually, uh, my dad and Pete kind of reconnected when I was younger. And uh, in high school, I would go and I loved uh, Pete's wife, Carol, and I would go and spend holidays and vacations with them and uh, never thinking I was going to work in sports, just loved hanging out and seeing that world. And uh, I actually uh, assisted for them and nannied for them uh, when I was 18, 19, the year Pete got kicked out of baseball. I traveled with the team that year, and it was my inaugural year into sports kind of thing. That is fascinating. It was fun. So his whole family would travel with him while he was playing? Yeah, especially in baseball. He was he was coaching then. So oh, right, right. Uh, when they would have, you know, a week at a stop, we'd go in. And, and then I was in Cincinnati uh, with Carol, and, and she had uh, Tyler at the, t- at the time was four or five. And then she had Kara. The day that I was coming back to go to school, they had her in the morning, and I got on a plane that afternoon. Oh, my gosh. Did um, how did how did him getting kicked out of baseball, if at all, like affect your family's relationship? Didn't affect our family's relationship until later, because you know he he made some interesting choices. But at the time, we were in a hotel in Atlanta, and Carol would sleep in, and Tyler would sleep in, and I was awake, and the phones were ringing, people were banging on the doors. And he had ESPN on and told me to come sit down next to him. And I sat down next to him. And what do you say when the TV's saying, Pete, banned for baseball? And he goes, you know what? You're never going to forget this day, are you? (laughs) I was like, neither are you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was 19. And then I came back and played tennis and uh, uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to act, I thought. And uh, the L.A. Kings a year before had gotten Gretzky. And I walked into a sports art gallery with my college roommate, and uh, I thought this was really cool. And they had a help wanted sign in the window. And I went back a few days later, not knowing that I, anything, and I walked in and said, I don't know a lot about art or anything about art for that much, and, but I know a lot about sports and I can sell things. And she said, you're hired. And that was in November, and in January or February, I had organized my first art opening with the LA Kings and uh, just it, I just ran with it. Oh my gosh. So I want to back up a little. We're not, I won't touch Pete anymore, <laughs> but that is a fascinating story and something that I could not find in any of my Google stalking of you. So um, how did you decide to go to the college that you went to? It was in California. I knew I was going to play tennis there, and I wanted to act, and it was in L.A., so I took the, I was a theater major, and uh, I didn't go to school a lot. I drove around auditioning and just driving around loving L.A. Like, I spent, it was kind of like those, you know, you live it, you got to go jump in it, and I did, and, uh, and then I started working at the gallery, and I transferred to Strasburg Theater uh, Institute and was studying, and... Um, but then the sports things just kept coming back into play and I just loved it and that world and the people. And, um, I ran the gallery for two years and we had art openings with Mickey Mantle and, and, uh, other teams and events. And, uh, with that, when it closed, one of the artists who became a good dear friend of mine said, I want you to be my agent. And I said, I don't want to be your agent. 
it involves money and money makes it weird for people. And she said, no, I trust you and we can do this. And uh, we started doing charity fundraising for uh, athletes and then teams. And one of our big accounts was with the LA Kings and we would do their um, charity fundraiser every year. And then we got involved with the Philadelphia Flyers and raised over half a million dollars for that charity. And it was all word of mouth. And, uh, their team and tell them about us and bring us on and it was you know it was a lot of fun a lot of scrambling but a lot of fun and um, starting this artist career I couldn't support myself uh, on my own so I would nanny and I was a nanny for celebrities in LA for about 12 years and uh, my my one caveat was if a team or a player came to town I couldn't work because I was building this business so uh, it was a crazy lifestyle, but uh, it worked for me, and I loved traveling, and it was exciting, and uh, it it really helped me lay the foundation for my business. So when you start at the gallery, how how do you get your footing around the art aspect of it? I knew what I liked, and I had an eye for it early on, and I wasn't scared to give my opinion. Um, I think that's really important. I had a voice and, and an opinion, and I thought it should be valued just like anybody else's. So there wasn't, like, the ranks of I shouldn't speak up. Um, and uh, it was the job for me. They didn't have to pay me to go there. I would go and work for free if if I had to because I just loved being there and learning about it and learning about the L.A. art scene and uh, these these different artists. And at the time, you know, this was the early 90s, there was either really, really poorly done um, sports art that was on, like, trading cards or in the, the card catalogs. But fine artists weren't painting uh, athletes, and they, it was frowned upon. Um, and we still have a stigma, you know, uh, that sports art isn't fine art. And I've said, you know, if Picasso was painting today, he loved the beach. He might be painting surfers or, you know, aquatics. Um, and it's about, you know, the agony and the ecstasy. That's what happens in sports and with athletics and athletes. Um, and you can really find a way to capture and depict that in an interesting manner. And, and I think that, you know, we've kind of tapped into something now that um, people are resonating towards. When you were growing up and, you know, even as you were in college, did you ever consider yourself a creative person? I mean, I and I ask that because I know I don't usually consider myself a creative person, but then people are like, you're super creative. You started this podcast. Um, did you? Did I can't even draw stick figures, but <laughs> I visually can see stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. And my brother, who does a lot of design for our company, um, he's he's very creative that way. But mine was more like a producer or director. I could put the things together and I can... The one thing that I've realized, you know, in 25 years in this business is the ideas are what's hard. And, and those come kind of easy. Like, I... I I love coming up with concepts and ideas, and I didn't realize not everybody can do that. So for me, it's coming up with, with ideas and then um, finding the right person to execute it and the right team and, you know, really developing, you know, the business was putting the right people together to, you know, tell these stories. 
because the walls, we have all this square footage of blank walls in these buildings and you have a captivated audience. So what experience do you want to create? How do you want to tell that story? So it's really storytelling that it's evolved into with these artists. Yeah, I, I, I'm like thinking of all of the stadiums that I've been in or, you know, arenas and, and you're right. I mean, there really is, it's, you know, especially like a hockey arena, it's like one color at the bottom, one color at the top to like delineate the wall or something. Right. And it's interesting how different teams and different organizations have, have really taken and created these spaces that are, there are some that are super memorabilia filled, right? Like Mm -hmm. a museum of memorabilia Mm -hmm. and then others that are, you know, bring in these artistic, whatever they are, because it, it could be, I mean, I was looking at some of the stuff that you guys have done and it's everything from like a painting to a, a mural made of like tile or, um, wine barrels, which, yeah, that, that was awesome. Doing the Levi stadium in California one, it was great because most of our projects have been on the other side of the country and I'm in a, I'm halfway between LA and San Francisco. So I have to connect everywhere. So flying to green Bay when we were doing the Packers, I could get to England probably just as long. Cause it was like a 13 hour travel day. Oh my God. So doing Levi's was awesome. Cause it was just a, a drive up there. Uh, and that building really was beautiful, especially for the area, because they really wanted to celebrate um, the Bay Area and the wine industry. And uh, we met an artist, this uh, amazing kid from Central Valley, Nick Brown, who's a painter, but his family owns a cabinet company. And uh, I said, Nick, I want you to do something with wine barrels, deconstruct them and figure out something cool to do with them. And he, you know, took the the challenge and he did a phenomenal job. And, you know, one of the the best things about what we do is is the personalities we get to work with. We don't have the grind of, of working for a team or a company and doing the same thing every day. We come in for a project that, that's, you know, a year or two years and then we're out and we go to the next or we do multiple projects simultaneously. But uh, you meet these amazing artists and the ones that... Um, really are talented you want to bring on other projects because they make your life easy they hit deadlines they're creative um and we met nick through a call to artists we did and uh yeah he did um, like 30 no i'd say about 20 paintings on levi stadium but then he did these these great wine barrel installations i have something to admit I love anything to do with organizing. All of those bins and inserts and things that you can buy around the house, I love them. But one of my favorite ways to stay organized is beautiful, functional bags, handbags, tote bags, lots of interior pockets. Those are my favorite things, especially when they're super pretty. And Holly and Tanager has just the one that I'm putting on the top of my wish list this holiday season. It's called the Professional. It is unbelievably gorgeous with all of the functionality I could ever dream of. The Professional is an extraordinary backpack designed to take you from here to everywhere with luxurious style and effortless preparation with a well-organized interior and suitcase handle sleeve. It has ultra-wide shoulder straps, so 
you won't hurt anymore like I was last week. And a 17-inch interior padded laptop sleeve, which is great for someone like me who has a giant laptop that work has given her for some weird reason. Uh, there are a ton, like a ton of interior pockets for all of your organizing fantasies, or maybe just mine. I don't know. I'm weird. But... If you're not feeling the backpack look, it easily converts to a stylish crossbody, and it really is just such a pretty bag, y'all. In addition to the professional backpack tote, Holly and Tanager boasts a gorgeous selection of handbags that were born to keep up with your busy schedule while taking organization to the next level. As a listener of Leveling the Playing Field, you get 15% off your first order. So visit hollyandtanager.com slash LTPF and use promo code LTPF at checkout. And that's hollyandtanager.com slash LTPF and use promo code LTPF at checkout. I hate to break it to y'all, but the holidays are coming up fast. Buy someone a pretty bag. hollyandtanager.com slash LTPF and use promo code LTPF at checkout. To somebody who's in college right now, how would you explain to them what it is that you do? We, uh, we're a design and curating company uh, that specializes in the stadium industry, uh, and we bring the walls to life. So we are a turnkey company from inception to installation. We manage and coordinate the entire um, product that goes on a wall, and we'll work with the architects and the designers uh, and the team to do storytelling. And a lot of buildings will have a Hall of Fame, and we can help supplement that with the research that we do. Uh, my sister-in-law has worked with me now uh, since 2007, and she really delves in and does the research for each project because anybody can put a picture on a wall. But uh, what we do is go in, and everything's there for a reason. And we love to uh, come up with things that the super fan is so blown away with that they didn't even think of or have new eyes on uh, an area that people have, you know, forgotten and we want to, you know, celebrate it and recreate it. Um, So we're a design company, but we're an art curation company that um, fills the walls and uh, we work in photography and sculpture and paintings and graphics. And uh, we always try to make each venue different and unique to the area. And uh, you do that by doing a call to artists and bringing local artists when you can. And uh, we do everything museum quality that it really um, uh, takes it up a notch. Uh, for me, like you said before, like every piece of art is a different size and it um, draws you in. You go into a lot of venues and everything is in the same frame and it's the same size and you're just bored by it. You don't really look at it. It's just something on the wall. Well, we make an experience. We, we make you want to walk throughout the building and every time you go through, you're going to see something new or different that you didn't see before. Um, one of your projects was at Yankee Stadium, um, with the, their kind of like their premier area. And I think I was just in there. It's a new one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a couple months ago I was in there and I was looking all around and going, huh, look at all this stuff. This is really cool. I was going to, I forget where 
in the building I was going, um, mostly because it was my first time in there and I had no idea anyway. But um, it was, you know, really cool to see all those pictures and like articles and the different things that um, were on the walls. But I want to rebut your anyone can hang a picture on the wall because this chick has some problems with that. I am not really good at doing that on my own walls. <laughs> well, when, when you're at my house, you take the art off the walls, you see about six or seven nail holes oh, okay, behind good. it because I just move it and redo it. I, I have my install team when we go in there, but I don't care. I'll just go in and hang it. And, and <laughs> no, that's how I do it. That. <laughs> but we, had, we had gotten the first building. I'd worked on Staples Center in L.A. Uh, with this artist, Samantha Wendell, and, and we had put about 10 pieces in when Staples Center was opening. And... Uh, just through a, a friends, one of the uh, ex-players of the Kings um, was the coach of the Devils, and uh, he said, you know, they're building a building, you should talk to them. So I had three of Samantha's paintings and thought, we're going to sell some paintings. So I met, got in touch with the owner. He asked to come, us to come meet him, and I went in, and uh, I was showing him the paintings, and halfway through my presentation, he said, stop. You have my entire building. I said, well, wait a second. We're not talking three paintings here. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to do all my walls, do my building. I, tr- I said, wait, wait, wait. We're, we're talking like a lot of money here. He goes, I trust you. Get me a proposal. I have another meeting. Now get out of here. Beat it. And I left, and I called my girlfriend, who I was working with on the Phillies at the time, and said, what am I going to do? And she said, well, you've run art galleries before. Get artists. Put some art on the wall. So when I did Prudential Center, I did it by myself in a Word document that the uh, accountant hated because I didn't use Excel, and he's like, oh, this is a mess. And uh, it was just by the seat of my pants, and I got it done, and it was divine intervention. I brought in, I think on that project, I want to say eight or ten different artists. We had um, probably about 1,200 pieces of photography and art combined in that collection and graphics. But through that, all based on relationships, uh, one of the part owners of the team was part owners in the Yankees. And he said, I want you to meet with the Yankees. And the Yankees took about a year and a half to get there because they didn't own the rights to any of their imagery. (laughs) And they didn't know what kind of deal they were going to broker between what newspaper locally. And Camille, my sister-in-law, went in and and we had finally um, agreed to terms with the Yankees. And Camille went through 30,000 images through the Daily News in about a month and a half. And we combined to do Yankee Stadium technically in about four months. Um, And we were up at three in the morning screaming at each other, East Coast, West Coast, saying, we got to get this done. We're not going to make it. And we did. And when we went in, they didn't know what they were going to put on their walls. And uh, Jenny uh, Swindell, Steinbrenner's daughter, was amazing to work with. And Lon Trost, their CEO, was awesome. He started up as a peanut uh, vendor, and Mm -hmm. he's now the CEO of the Yankees. And he would email us at 1 or 2 in the morning uh, thoughts on the images because he was such a fan, and he's such a fan of the team. And... uh, the historian, um, uh, and I can't think of his name, uh, walked with Camille afterwards and got teary-eyed. And when he walked through the collection and he said, you did it right, you did it justice. And, uh, you know, people imitate that. You know, we were trailblazers at the time, and it was, you know, 
hard work and done really quickly, but um, we got it done, and I had great vendors that I had a relationship with working in L.A., and um, it really laid the template on what could be done. The, the one thing I wish that the Yankees would have done differently was put artwork in the building. They had a deal with Peter Max at the, at the time, and because I'm vocal and, and speak up, I said he wasn't the right fit, <laughs> but they had a relationship with him, and he was actually out of the building about six months later. And with classic baseball, there's so much they could do with some rich artwork that I hope they'll revisit that down the, down the, down the road. Um, but that really got us running, and people started paying attention once you did the Yankees. And from there, we went to Orlando, to your Florida, mm-hmm. to do uh, the Amway Center and uh, with the Orlando Magic. And that was an interesting building because... It was uh, both city and team involved. So there was a lot of politics and there was a lot of um, relationship building. And, and that's really like the, the theme throughout for us is it's all based on relationships. We wear our heart and sleeve on our hand. We want to go in and, and, you know, do the best we can do. And we give it our all. And, and I think it really goes a, a long way because we're not a huge corporation. Um, we make it personal, and art is personal. You know, when I was doing Prudential Center and on deadline to get it in in time, the one of the union workers who I wouldn't have looked at twice came down off the scaffolding and wanted to talk about a painting on the wall. People Aww. like to be involved, and uh, you don't have to go to a museum. It would be great if you did, and we could have that, you know, experience, but you have father and sons or mom and daughters or whoever that are experiencing these moments throughout these buildings and sports, you know, tugs on your heartstrings. People are there because they want to cheer for their team. They want to experience that celebration. And, uh, you know, it's fun. So we did Amway and then we went to the Miami Marlins. We stayed in your Florida um, hoping to get back in there now that they have a new owner and, and do some new things. And Are uh, you yeah. responsible for that thing in the end? I, I was not responsible for that, but uh, <laughs> the team owner at the time, Jeffrey Loria, is a big high-end art dealer. And oh, is that what that says, is? Yeah, yeah, that was a high, high-end contemporary art piece. But he said, I hired you because you didn't put one black frame in Yankee Stadium and you did it well. And it's funny because when he was owner, if you look through, we did the celebration of uh, baseball uh, and uh, history of baseball through the building. And there's a lot of Yankee stuff in there because he's a Yankee fan. That's so uh, weird. Which was, which was funny. And uh, he was great to work with, and and he taught us some stuff, and uh, I think he was pleased with that, and that's where it's at, you know, um, you're dealing with ownership, and you're dealing with people that, you know, it's pretty cool what we get to do, because we get to an echelon of people that, you know, the average fan doesn't get to communicate with, and they want to hear our opinions, and they're just like kids, they just want to you know, tell a story and and make it look visually awesome. You know, what are these moments that you can do? And you have such big walls that, you know, most artists want to sell their art, so they they create smaller because they want someone to be able to uh, purchase it for a home or an office. 
and I go in and work with artists and I'm like, small for us is five by eight feet. We might go 10 feet by 30 feet. Like let's paint some big things and, and people get, um, are able to get really, uh, creative. So you end up doing a lot of the work or having them do a lot of the work on commission, like everything's commissioned, commission. commission everything new for uh, the buildings. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, how, so we how pay do you... all our artists, and uh, we try to stretch the budget as best that we can. And we have all different levels, from self-taught artists to kids in school to mid-range artists to well-known artists. You know, it all fills a tra- tapestry of. Um, like I said, like this movie, we bring it all together and everybody works well with each other. We try to bring in the best of the best. And so I'm assuming that some of these artists may have work that they've done that might fit. And then others are being like, but now do something brand new. How do they do that in that short period of time? We, we get them to work really hard and, and, and we get them motivated. I, uh, I love it. You know, there was a there was a gal we pulled in on the Vikings, Leslie Barlow, who was a really cool portrait artist um, in art school, and uh, she had never painted athletes. And I said, I need you to do this. You're going to be great at it. And her piece was just one of the best in the collection. And now she's gone on to work with the team for their training facility, and she developed a relationship with them. And, you know, it was great to start her and, and to believe in her and to um, – you know, share her with the world. And then people saw her work during Super Bowl. And, you know, it, it's it's pretty cool when you bring these artists on and, and how they form this community of, of um, friendships. You know, when we just, we just had the art opening for the Milwaukee Bucks and all of the artists came earlier, early, earlier than the event opened and they were asking all the other artists to sign their programs and, and talking about, oh, you did this piece, you did that piece, and it's, and it's a really a sense of community and goodwill. It's super cool to see, and that we get to create it, you know. We bring in all these artists, and, and we have to vet them and make sure that they can handle deadlines and time, time frames and, you know, a commercial project. We have to be able to come in and instruct and say, look, you know what, that doesn't look like the athlete. We need to work on that. Um, and, and not have ego involved because, right. you know, it is a commercial building. And if it doesn't look like Joe Montana, everybody's going to scream, that doesn't look like Joe Montana. So we have to make sure everything we get on the wall is just the best of the best. All right, ladies, I'm going to get a little personal here. But have you ever thought about what you're putting inside your vagina? I mean... Really, the products that we're using and whether or not they're good for us. Well, there's this brand, Sustain, and they're committed to solving this problem. Sustain is a one-stop shop for vagina-friendly products, including condoms, lube, tampons, and more. They really want us to know what we're putting inside ourselves, and they want to give us good options to put in our vaginas. They make all of their stuff condoms, lube, period products, organic, vegan, fair trade, sustainably made, and free of parabens, glycerin, and synthetic ingredients. They've got 100% organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners, and now period underwear. Sustain is a service that you can subscribe to, but you don't have to subscribe to. And you can get the products delivered right to your door. 
So right now, listeners of Leveling the Playing Field can get 20% off your first one-time, so not a subscription, but a one-time order, and free shipping when you sign up at SustainNatural.com and use code LTPF at checkout. That's SustainNatural.com, promo code LTPF for all natural, vagina-friendly products that put women's bodies first. First of all, the deadline thing it being difficult in and of itself because I think the cliche of an artist is they're kind of all over the place. Their muse may or may not come. Um, and God forbid you say anything bad about what they're doing, you know, or critique it. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and, and they have to have some thick skin. And then, then there's ones that we love working with that they just get it done and you don't, they just get it. And they, they make us look better because you go in and say, wow, that's even better than, than I had thought it was going to be. And, uh, you know, it, it, one, of the, one of the best things we just did that I just think is so cool is there was this artist I wanted to work with out of San Jose, um, Blake McFarland's his name, and he does sculptures out of tires. And I wanted to bring him on to a project, and he's a former baseball player. He played for the Blue Jays organization in the minors. Young guy. He was a pitcher, and uh, he just retired. And um, I said, if I bring you basketball leathers, can you make me a buck larger than life? And he hand-cut and hand-stained every piece of leather, and he made this buck that's the center of the Bucks collection that's just incredible. And he just nailed it. And uh, so we're talking uh, for maybe bringing him on to the Golden State Warriors project, and uh, especially since he's local to the area. So mm-hmm. we, we love to really celebrate these artists and, and give them some legs and, and see how they run with it. One of the things that I'm enjoying about hearing um, about all these different artists is they the at least from a gender standpoint, it sounds very diverse, and oh, I love that. Not just gender, but in in, in nationalities, and and uh, yeah, we want to have an interesting collection and. Uh, uh, the, the women to men and how do you do it? Because in sports, it's a male dominated sport. Well, one way to bring a lot of women in is to have them be some of the artists, Yeah, uh, which is awesome. So we try to bring in, um, yeah, we want to make it interesting and keep it fresh and, and uh, uh, bring in uh, as many women as we can. That's a big thing with, with our company too is, is, and there's also one of our artists that, that gal I started with, Samantha Wendell. People are drawn to her work because there's a romantic nature in it as well. And I think that comes from the female side of looking into sports. Um, there, there's just a, a softness to the aggression. And she can do some fierce things. She did a painting of a player years and years ago. He played for the Sharks. His name was Todd Ellick. And um, it, there was blood coming down. I mean, he had gotten him in a fight. He was a hockey player, and she had called it shark bite. So she can get the aggression in there, but there's also a romantic nature when, when you bring the women in as well. That's fantastic. And, and your use of local artists is huge. I mean, for bringing in the spirit of, you know, the team and the, and the community surrounding the team. Yeah, and it brings the community in. Um, people want to be a part of it, and people want 
wanted to represent them. So the locals, a huge, a huge component. I mean, we have a, a core base of artists that we've really established and that, that we love to bring onto our projects because we know they're going to get it done and get it done on time. But we really love to um, supplement them with with the local. It, it's it's really um, it's it's been really successful. From um, a business standpoint, how how did you learn to manage the business? <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> uh, from working through galleries, so when the sports gallery ended and I was working with Sam, I also was running a, a contemporary art gal- gallery in Beverly Hills for a few years. Um, and I, I just, I'm self-motivated, you know, I... I work hard and, and uh, owning your own business, you never put it down, you know. Um, I'm on, I know that if someone reaches out, I need to reach out immediately to respond to them, especially with teams and, and owners. I think they like that, you know, we don't take the weekends off. We're always replying. Um, so there was a work ethic. My parents owned restaurants growing up, and, and I always saw that if an employee didn't come in, my mom had to go in and fill in for them, and it was a... A negative for her, I think. So yeah. um, I know how hard it is to work, and and then you you know reap the benefits. Like I've been laughing lately that they're starting to get it, and we're now Golden State's our tenth um, stadium uh, with the Warriors, and I said it's like our twenty five years of overnight success. <laughs> I I've grinded really hard for a long time, and and now we're established. Once you start to get the reputation, you never burn bridges. Um, people will leave from one team to a different team or a different sport, but they'll bring you along and say, check out these people because they know that we'll get it done and we'll make them look good as well um, because they believe in us. So um, you just work really hard and, and you value it. And, and like I said, from that first gallery job, they didn't have to pay me to be there. I wanted to be there. It was so much fun. I would want to go to work every day and explore new things and do new things. And, you know, there's headaches when you're on, when you're an install and you walk in and there's a, you know, a strobe or a something in the wall that's not supposed to be there and you're supposed to put a piece of art there and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> but you problem solve and, and you work, you know, with the people on the ground. You know, I've it's almost like I keep going back to the, the movies, but... I have my core group of people that I've worked with for the last 20 years that I'll bring in because everybody will get it done on time and they have, you know, invested interest in it emotionally. Um, so I, I love to work with people um, that I know that they have my back and that uh, we can problem solve at the end of the day and there are solutions to everything. Because when you're, especially a lot of our buildings are new builds, so they have all these deadlines for codes and, and getting the building turned over. So you have a workforce that you bring in, you know, you, you go to battle together. We meet these teams and I say, you know, we're going to battle and we're in a war zone. And when you come up for our afterwards, we are going to be bonded forever because <laughs> you're going to have challenges that you're going to overcome. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all have the same goal in mind. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just thinking about like some of the renovations we've done and what it looks like on the inside and then knowing some of the challenges that there usually are (laughs) with anything construction related Um, and just how, I mean, it's, it is, it's a 
a madhouse usually. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of them uh, go from one building to the next. So now we're starting to see repeat friends, and it's like coming back to summer camp and woohoo, we're back together again and another project. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's fun, and you have these battle scars that only they understand because you're in the trenches together. And then when they open, you know, I also you know critique everything. So I go in and I'll see things, and I go, oh, I hate that, but nobody else sees it. It's us you know, who've been so involved in it, we see it, but the fans come in and, and one of the slides we use for all of our presentations is one of the VIP areas down at Levi's with the San Francisco 49ers. The fans walked in for a preview and they're all in front of one of our walls with their cell phones taking pictures and there's like a hundred people and they were so excited and it's like that's the experience we're creating. That's the moment where you go in and go, wow, that is so cool. Well, especially now, you know, with... You know, the Insta crazy, right? Everybody, which, which brings about some like really interesting, um, and creative concepts because now you're thinking, okay, if somebody's going to stand in front of this and take a picture, you know, what do we do here? Well, and they don't turn. They don't turn it around a lot. So when we went into the Yankees, we went into Steinbrenner's office for our first meeting, and he had the same drapes in his office that they put in the old Yankee Stadium in 1971. So they're not changing stuff a lot. No. So we know when we put it on the wall, it's going to have some longevity, and uh, and yet. You know, one of the things that we're starting to explore that we think is interesting as well is rotating the collection and making it fresh. So how do we rotate the collection throughout the building so you have more eyes on it that, you know, the same people aren't walking by the same thing all the time? So for us, it's really an ongoing experience, and how can you uh, keep it new and exciting as well? Well, yeah, because I know at least where I've worked, there's a... whether it's a new marketing plan or a new catchphrase, like there's always change, right? There are the new ads that are on all the walls and and stuff like that. So, you know, making it all flow still, um, it it presents a lot of opportunities, at least for y'all. Well, we hope. The problem is the budget usually dries up. They're spending it on players and not the walls. That's been been our biggest fight from day one is, they don't budget, they budget for the architecture and then the team, but then they have this after thought of, oh, we have these blank walls everywhere. So we try to get in as early as we can to get them to budget so they can light the building properly um, and that they can really create um, a collection that, you know, has legs. And how do you, how do you budget for uh, day two, day three, day five, year five, um, because we're usually what gets cut. You know, the one team that, that's really been um, a great example is the Packers. They really got behind the collection, um, and they, they keep wanting to refresh it and make it interesting, and, and we love that they keep bringing us back. You know, a lot of teams will see what we've done, and then they'll just, after day one, they'll, they'll try to do it in-house, and um, we like the relationships where they want to keep us involved, and the Packers are they keep saying, you're excellent, we want excellence, and we don't want to do it, we want you to do it. And it's great. It gives us a reason to go back to Green Bay, and, and mm-hmm. Lambeau is an amazing, amazing castle all to itself, and, and we love it. And we love our relationships, and you get to go see the people you've worked with and, and developed you know, rapport with and, and friendships, and it's fun. 
This episode is brought to you by the San Diego State University's Sports MBA program. Are you interested in a career in sports? The SDSU Sports MBA program offers hands-on industry experience combined with practical skills from expert faculty. From analytics to sports marketing, SDSU Sports MBA students receive a diverse portfolio of skills that help set them apart from other candidates. You should see the list of companies that the alumni work for. Sound like it might be the right fit for you? The deadline is approaching, and the SDSU Sports MBA program staff would love to speak to you. Call 619-594-5566 or visit sdsu.edu slash sportsmba for more information. That's sdsu.edu slash sportsmba or call 619-594-5566 for more information on the SDSU Sports MBA program. You mentioned doing charity events and helping with charity events. So can you talk a little bit about how, how you've done that and like, how does that work? Yeah, when we first started out, it was all charity driven to get exposure. So uh, we would donate original artwork for their auctions, and the, the, the funds would, would go to the event, but we'd get exposure, and, and they'd see how cool the art was, and I'd have, you know, two or three players or the players' wives come up to me and commission artwork. So um, it was a great way to get exposure and also to give back. You know, one of the things that we do now is uh, we want to do uh, charity events with the teams, but we also do community involvement where we get with kids in high school and elementary school involved creating some of the artwork with some of the artisans. So um, there's all different ways throughout the community uh, to get people involved. But, yeah, it started out with the golf tournaments, and and um, I golfed, so it was fun. I could golf <laughs> in the events, and we'd, we'd, we'd donate the artwork, and uh, it, it was a, it was a, a lot of fun. And that was – a lot of it was in the NHL in, in the 90s and early 2000s, and they were great, great players to work with, great guys and, and great women with the wives. And, and, uh, oh, and they all the golf. On the team, and they all golf. <laughs> they all golf. And for me, it was great. And, I, and I'm a decent golfer. I ended up marrying a, a golf pro. Uh, my husband's a golf pro. And it's funny, since I got married, I've golfed eight times. But when I was single, <laughs> I golfed all the time. It's funny how that happened. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I... Um, I so a lot of those guys, you know, the hockey players, and the reason I even know that they all, well, I mean, everybody knows now, but when I was younger, the only reason I knew was because um, a lot of them, a good amount of the Boston ones end up living on uh-huh. Cape Cod or having a second home on Cape Cod. And um, Derek Sanderson uh-huh. invested in a restaurant with an old boss of mine and so it was the year between my first and second year of law school I was interning at like the local legal services office and then helping them get this restaurant up and going and so like Bobby would be around and you know you know they bring in the young guys it was just really funny to like that was, you know, I'd been around college players before I worked with our athletic marketing department at UMass, but 
not Uh pros really. So this was one of my first experiences around, you know, former professional players and some of the newer guys. It was, it was awesome. And I never, especially in sports, I didn't have that me too moment. They always wanted to protect me. They were like my big brothers, especially the hockey guys, um, which I'm very fortunate to say. Um, I loved them. And, and, and they, they, there was no drugs. They would just drink their beers and have a good time. They were just, you know, guys from pig farms in, in Canada. Like, they were just <laughs> hockey guys. In Canada. And, and, and a lot of them, you know, they left home at, you know, 14 or 15 to right. go play juniors and stay with different families. Um, so they were just, I always said, like, they all stopped emotionally at 15. They were just like little boys. Mm-hmm. They were just easy. And... Uh, and the hockey guys, is, I think, with the NHL, is they still have that camaraderie where they, a lot of them hang out as a team. In a lot of the sports, it's a couple guys will hang out here and there, especially in baseball. It's not. It's more me, me, me. Yeah. But the hockey, there really still is a sense of camaraderie and team. And, uh, yeah, it's, my heart is still with hockey. Uh, when we worked for the Flyers and being from Philly, it was so much fun back then. And even the Kings, um, yeah, it's, uh, I still follow it. I love my hockey. I, you know, it would be great to work with the NHL. I know they're doing some new things in their offices, so hopefully they'll call us and get us in there. Um, and we just um, finished about a year ago. We worked on the Red Wings' new building and did some neat pieces. So, you know, we did a almost two, over two-story uh, piece of art on Gordie Howe. And, oh, my gosh. You know, all the, all the buildings, you know, they, they are hesitant to do a lot of current um, because you don't know if there's going to be trades or scandals or what have you. Right. But, you know, with with the classic and the the older players, you have that – um, everyone loves that bygone era. You know, at Yankee Stadium, everyone's loved the pictures of, of the men and women in the old hats dressed right. up going to a ball game. Um, you know, those are yes. the, the cool things that people are drawn to. Mm-hmm. No, you I know, think you're right. I, yeah. It's, so, yeah, the charity, the charity stuff was fun. And back then I was nannying. I was paying, you know, they'd pay for a flight for me to come out and donate these paintings. And Sam's paintings would get, you know, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 at these auctions. So they were raising a lot of money. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, I kept, and she kept saying, we're giving this stuff away. And I said, no, we got to give it back and we'll sell stuff. And we did. And, and uh you know, she she and I had the most fun starting this journey together, um, and she didn't know anything about sports. She grew up in rock and roll and, and uh, uh, painting for Tower Records, the old um, oh music gosh. billboards, mm-hmm. and uh, now she has like a photographic memory and, and her stats and, and the players, but, you know, she's collected all throughout the NHL for those. 10 years that we started, um, she painted everybody. And they'd come up and say, make me look good. Because <laughs> everybody wants to look good. <laughs> but, uh, but that's such a... A lot of fun. It's such a good lesson in, you know, finding a way in, right? And trying to get known even though, you know, maybe you hadn't done these, you know, big stadiums or anything yet. So, you know finding another angle it's just such a good lesson i think for anybody who's it was awesome and for me i couldn't work a nine-to-five job 
you know, where you have to check in, check out. And it was, it, my brain doesn't work that way. So being a freelancer and then working with Sam and then developing this business, they always say like, you know, look what's in your back pocket. Well, I loved going to games. I loved being a part of that. Um, I just didn't want that grind and I wanted the freshness and somehow that worked with my spirit. And now I've created that in a career where I get to work in sports. I get to go in, do cool stuff and then go to the next thing. Um, and, and, you know, get to tell these stories. It's, it's, it's pretty great, you know, and, and my family, my, um, husband's brother had a very, uh, successful career in, in baseball and, um, professionally. And, and my father-in-law will call me and, or my brother-in-law will say, Hey, do you see they're building this new stadium here? I'm like, yeah, I'm on it. So the whole family's involved on it. So <laughs> That's great. It's, it's cool. It's cool. That's really funny. I mean, as we were talking, I'm like, huh, the Raiders are building I a new know. stadium. The Raiders, were, we've been talking to them. They were super hot. Now, now I haven't heard from them for a while. So they're on my list this week and uh, we'll get at it. You know, it's, uh, it's also the balance of I'm sales. I'm trying to sell what we do. So there's this line of you don't want to beat them down the head. You, you want to be there and, and, and follow up is important um and and then it's on their time frame too like i said it took a year and a half to do the yankees and then they said you have four months to do it and we said we'll get it done and you know for us though we want more time ideally we have two years for a project because the lighting's really a big thing and it's neglected at every building and you you want to get in earlier to save budget so you don't spend so much later retrofitting um but you're going to spend all this money to put things on the wall you want it properly lit so it looks like uh it belongs there that's something i never would have thought about yeah, I got to get on those architects. They don't think about it either. They see their building differently, and uh, I see this, you know, vast walls, uh, this, you know, template or this. Um, you just want to put it up there and tell your story, but I don't want it to be in the dark. And unfortunately, it's been that way. It's it, a few buildings where they have to go back in and then fix it. Right, right. Which does end up costing more and is a nuisance generally. Yeah, we want the budget to spread out to pay the artist and get as much up on the wall that way than to have to go into lighting. So they're getting there. They're understanding it. Gosh, we've been at this now since our first big stadium was in 2007. So we're just over 10 years. So give us another 10 years and holy cow, what's it going to be doing? Right. I want to do, you know, video. There's stuff we can do. Um, and then you can do projection. We could do installations of art with, with projection as well. And they're not just sports venues. You know, they're multi-purpose venues. You have music events in there and other things. So we really get to celebrate a lot of different genres within the buildings. Have you... Um have you reached out to the Rays? I the Devil Rays. I reached out to me once, and I once it was a couple of years ago because you had the guy with the long hair. Who who was that guy? Oh, he I was, have no idea. <laughs> I'm trying to think of him. He was like he looks Hawaiian, good looking guy, long hair. He played for him, and 
but yeah, you know, it's, we are the little engine that could. Everyone says, have you talked to so-and-so? And if you talk to so-and-so, and it's like, we're, we're just going with what, what we get, and, and one lead will take us to another lead, and, and, and they come and go. You know, we were up for uh, the Rams, and they went a different way, which broke our heart wasn't meant to be. Something else is going to come our way. So you invest a lot of time and energy trying to get the bids. Um, and then, like, the Steelers came from left field, um, the, and hopefully we're going to be doing something with them. The Packers uh, had reached out and said that they had just toured uh, the owner, Art Rooney, through the building and that he loved it. And we went and met with him last week. So you never know where it's going to lead to. That's fantastic. Every day you, you, you check your email and voicemail. And, and, and I'd say once a month there's something that comes in that you're like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that we really want to explore that we're, we've been reached out to and we've reached out as well is um, soccer in, in the U.K., football. Yeah. We think that um, they're really starting to, emulate what goes on in the U.S. in venues, and I think that the team that we find the right fit with to bring us on to a big soccer venue, we're going to hit it out of the park. We're so excited. That would be really cool. They haven't seen, they haven't seen it over there, so mm-hmm. it would really be that, that wow factor. No, I agree. I agree. That would be really cool. Um, when uh, you said you don't like to work nine to five because your brain doesn't work that way. So what what is it like? I mean, I know you said you don't have weekends off and you're just kind of chugging along. Not. I have a five-year-old. Uh, I'm an old mom. I had Leo at 42. Uh, I didn't get married till I was 38 uh, and, and, and wouldn't change any of it. Um, I, I, when I am in town, I, I'm in the office. Uh, I drop my little guy off at school. I'm in here by nine, and I'm, I'm usually out by by five or so, but then I'll go do emails at the end of the night, or my husband laughs. Uh, I'm looking on the internet after Leo goes to bed, looking for artists, looking at things, um, <laughs> always always connected, watching games. Right. Um, and then, you know, going to conferences. Sports Business Journal is an amazing tool in, in sports, and mm-hmm. they've really started to celebrate women and um, up-and-coming uh, interns and, and young associates that are getting involved in sports. It's a great way to network work with all of their events um we enjoy being a part of those and then meeting with teams we travel and it is exhausting when you're on to be on it it drains you so i come home and my husband's like it takes you a day or two to regroup you know and (laughs) i'm gone he's with the five-year-old i'm doing laundry when i come home it's not that glamorous i'm grocery shopping and you know uh doing what i can to keep up you would think my husband could do laundry when i travel but that doesn't happen oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) what um what do you you know i get the whole being on thing you know i just had a week of like conferences and and stuff and it it exhausts me to no end so what do you do to regroup as you called it well i'm building a barn uh, Okay. And I don't have horses. It's for our our parties and events. I love Halloween, so it's my favorite week of the year. We have a Halloween party every year, and we're not having it this year because we're remodeling the house. But uh, for me, it's, I got to tell you, I love Pinterest. I'm a Pinterest junkie. I love to make my boards and, and, and do that. My husband knows when I'm super stressed, he usually finds me in my closet and says, what's wrong? Because I'm organizing my closet. So that's how my mind goes because I can control that. Yeah. A lot of things you can't control. So, you know, it's good for a while. Then it goes, clothes everywhere. But, uh, 
I, I spend time with Leo. I love to, you know, I, I'm a good cook. I love to have people over when I'm home. I love to be at home. So we entertain a lot and have people over for dinner. And, you know, homework with Leo and figuring out what I'm going to do with this barn and event place for us. And, uh, yeah, and we golf. We try. I try to get more out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, just being with my family. My husband has three kids. I have three beautiful stepkids. Uh, the oldest is in D.C. She just started her law career. Oh, my God. Grad. She talk about woman, um, you know, went through public schools and went to UCLA and then got accepted to Harvard. And she is just a go-getter. And she is a huge sports fan. Uh, I think she wants to go into politics, but I, I imagine she'd be a great sports agent or working for a team with, with her degree. Um, and then the other two are, are here and we spend time with them. And, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, family is very important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we all love our sports. You know, we watch the games. The Dodgers broke our heart this week. Oh, I know. But, uh, you know? Yeah. And then Camille's on, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law are on, are on uh, the East Coast, just outside of Boston. So they're Phillies fans and Mets fans, but I think they were probably rooting for the Red Sox a little bit. Well, it's so. kind of hard not to when you're surrounded by a bunch of mass holes, as we call them. Oh, Camille's in, in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and she talks about them all the time. Oh, yeah. But yeah. They, they were a good team. They were a strong baseball team. I Yeah. We got to, when, when my brother-in-law was coaching for the White Sox uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we went in and traveled, and we got to see the White Sox play the Red Sox for three year, or for three games, and uh, it was really neat to be a part of that and and see it in that venue, like and the fans and the 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 food places outside the building, and mm-hmm. just being in Boston. You know, when you have cities that have amazing sports venues like that, no wonder people are involved. You know, it's such a sense of community and team and pride and you know, it, 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 it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the technological advances with, with buildings because you don't want everyone to be on their devices. You want them to be a part of it. And like you were mentioning earlier about people in the, the selfie moments, you know, we try to capture moments and in, in art and, and we want to develop. You know, the warriors are talking about um, developing their app so it can be more... Um, uh, involvement of the of the art throughout it. And oh, I cool. think it's a great platform to do so. And especially up in, in the Bay Area, them being so tech-savvy, right. um, it'll be interesting to see if that gets flushed out. And it's always fun in the beginning stages of a project because um, y- you have these ideas and, and then to see them come to life and you right. step back and go, wow, that really happened. You know, we got, uh, we had talked with one of our artists out of Pittsburgh um, who paints with sports equipment. So he takes basketballs and rolls the basketballs instead of using a, a paintbrush, Tom huh. Osser. And he got um, little kids like preschoolers involved. There was about, I'd say, 50 of them throughout the course of a day who worked on a piece of art with him, and he did a painting with them that was 12 by 18 feet. And to get that installed was, you know, a lot of headaches. It wasn't level in the building, and, and it was on a curved wall. Oh, after it was in, you you stood back and thought, "Holy cow! We thought about this six months ago, how we were going to do it, and now looking and seeing it in there, it's pretty cool." 
Yeah, that's awesome. I could totally see using the app to do kind of like some AR stuff, you know, where like you get you get like additional information on the artist and on the piece Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever the story is. Um, And they, and they do videos that we're going to film the artist creating the artwork. So people become invested in the art and, and the storytelling of these individuals that aren't on the playing field. They're the people that are celebrating what goes on the playing field. So it's another extension of how you don't have to be the billion-dollar athlete to be involved in sports. You know, you could be a photographer, you could be a writer, you could, there's so, an artist, there's so many different ways. You know, one of the stories Camille told in the Packers was the woman, they all would stay in this one hotel in Green Bay when they were um, on the team, and she would sew their uniforms. (laughs) It was like she was a seamstress. It was, you know, there's, there's some really neat, you know, storytelling that someone will say one of the best stories was um we had done uh there was a minor league team in newark a baseball team and when we did the prudential center we didn't just put the hockey we did the other sports in the area and seen mm-hmm. hall plays there but there was this fan this hockey fan in her jersey in between second and third period uh in front of this photograph crying and it was her father and she had never seen him in his baseball uniform and she just happened to walk by it Oh my so gosh! You don't, you don't know the memories that you create until they happen, but you know, we like to think that we're t- we're tugging on the heartstrings as best we can. That's such a great story. I love it. Yeah, very cool. If um, as we kind of close out, what would you advise someone who wants to get into sports, but they're they just don't know what they want to do yet. And they, they're more on the creative side of life. Yeah. Get, get in the design department, get into something, um, start, start making art and sending it to the teams or, or start an ad campaign on your own and, and try to get in there and, and intern with them. Um, you know, work with, call the team photographer if you like to take photos and see if you can come on their staff for a summer or, or whatnot, but, you know, hit, hit the pavement. And, uh, and there's a lot of, um, awards too, you know, a gal who works for us, Darcy Malone, uh, won a scholarship from the York foundation, uh, and, and went to work with the 49ers and she was there for a few years and then ended up coming to work for us cause she loved art. So, uh, you know, just make the calls, go meet the people, um, and get out there. But, you know, if you have a good head on your shoulders and you're likable, people are going to want to work with you because you want to surround yourself with people you like. That's a very good point. And, you know, the networking part is so important. Um, yeah, and get into SBJ. Anyone who wants to get into sports, they have a lot of different functions that, that you can go, and they have a lot of meet and greets, and, and people are very active in the sports world with SBJ. I can't be a bigger advocate for it. Um, you know, we, we got the 49ers contract. We were at an event during Yankees, and I met um, Jed York there, and I followed up with him three months later. He didn't remember meeting me from Adam, and <laughs> he said, all right, let's, let's talk. But I, I had made the connection there, and it paid off. So um, th- those are really good conferences to be a part of. That's a very good point. I've unfortunately missed the women's one the last couple of years, the Game Changers. Um, 
but I want to go really bad. (laughs) Well, next year, I'll see you there. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to be a part of this, and thank you for having me. And I've seen the other women you've you've had, and I don't hold a candle to them. But uh, for the little engine that could, and, and hopefully we'll keep that engine going. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Tracy for jumping on and talking to me and all of you. Um, I just... This is one of those examples of like a really cool job that's related to sports that you would never, ever think of. So when I saw her profile in um, Sports Business Journal's Game Changers, I, you know, I, I tend to send these congratulations notes anyway to, to people who win these awards. And I did with all of the women who won this year. And, you know, I hope to make a connection with them. But I was really, really hoping to hear from her because I, I just love the combination of sport and art. It just it's really cool to me. Um, as always, and as I said before, thank you to Jerry and Jason at Radio Influence um, for getting this out and to all of you for listening. Make sure you're following us on all of the social, and by that I mean Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LTPF Pod. Um, we are ltpfpod.com for the website and ltpfpod at gmail.com for our email. I always look forward to reading anything you all send me, so you know, send me some, some notes, um, and make sure you're subscribing, rating and reviewing. I mean, this is like the number one thing, right? So go to your Apple podcast, Google podcast, tune in, Stitcher, uh, radioinfluence.com or ltpfpod.com. Um, subscribe, rate and review. Rating and reviewing is so important, y'all. It's how new people find us. So let's add to our family. All right. Make sure you're rating and reviewing. And as always, I'll see you next week. This is a tennis with an accent quick fix on Radio Influence. For example, our podcast with uh, Andrew Burton um, before the U.S. Open, you know, Andrew ha- made note of the WTA's search for not the next Serena, because there is no next Serena and there never will be a next Serena. But the WTA search for, you know, a consistently strong player who takes command at the major tournaments each year. You know, maybe not someone who will win three major titles a year, but someone who will make, you know, two finals, three semis, four quarters, something like that. Uh, we're not seeing that kind of player on the WTA tour. And that's not a deficit. That's not a problem. It is a function and product of the WTA's quality depth. You know, there are just so many really, really good players. Um, It's widely acknowledged in the locker rooms and and in the press rooms around the WTA tour that, you know, there are just no easy first or second round matches anymore. I mean, not, not that many. Uh, And so, it's hard to stack together excellent results time after time. And so the WTA finals in 2018, given the way that they worked out, were just a natural extension 
uh, of the whole 2018 WTA season. Now, I think in a, in a larger context beyond 2018, it is a little bit of the fatigue. It is a little bit of the major champions come to Singapore and, and don't have quite as much to prove. That doesn't mean that they were lacking hunger. I wrote at tennisaccent.com in our uh, WTA finals coverage. I wrote about Svitolina. It wasn't that the rest of the field didn't care. It's just that she cared more. She had clearly, I think we can all agree, an extra chip on the shoulder. She had more to prove than anybody else. And credit to her. She showed that. Tennis with an Accent with Saqib Ali and Matt Zemek can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.